Are you near Brentwood? Um, yeah, you further Brent. west. No, I'm, I'm like I'm 600 miles bit... away. No, you're talking about me, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> he is. Yeah. Brentwood is, uh, yeah, it's on the south side. I'm a little bit further south than that. I work pretty close to Brentwood. Um, so it's like 20 minutes from me or something. You're close to the Smyrna area, aren't you? No, I'm I'm due south, so I'm I'm uh, close to Franklin. Okay, I see Franklin. Oh, you're west yeah. of the interstate. Okay, yeah, of, tw- of, of 24, of, the interstate that I know of. Of 24, yeah, and okay. end of 65, but just barely of 65. Okay. So, right. yeah, zero six Tango November Hunter Field is where I fly, and it's like 10 minutes from my house, but it's a little private airstrip, but it's on the sectional. It's private though. Yep. So how did you get permission to land your airplane there? Well, there's uh there's hangars there, so it's just privately owned. It's not like a public regional uh, airport. Gotcha. Um, so I have a hangar rent rented there. Me and about well, there's about fifteen planes there, maybe twenty. Nice. That's my so, kind of airport. So can yeah, two, anyone else 2000. land there? Um, yeah, you can. Um, especially if you know somebody and talk to somebody ahead of time. It's a okay. two thousand foot grass strip, so uh, you, know, you don't you 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 want to be familiar with it and i just go banging in there and see what happens you know yeah um, but yeah they're but we're like they're fine with people coming in and visiting and stuff okay. so you're running a 2,000 foot grass strip on a piper tripacer like that just sounds like mm-hmm. gold to me yeah it is grassroots flying at its best it's it's a lot of fun i love that it is i've never landed on a grass strip yet i want to I it's never fun. had until I bought the Tripacer uh, three years ago, and uh, and I used to think that I used to think that three thousand feet was short, but uh, now I'm in and out of two thousand feet like it's no big deal. That's cool. <clears throat> yeah, the airport I fly out of. Well, you know Dallas Bay. That's three thousand. Yep, yep. I've been to Dallas Bay several times. Yeah, and it's actually it's funny. It's, Dallas Bay is narrower than than Hunter. I mean, we have a nice you know it's seventy five hundred feet wide, and Dallas Bay is real narrow. Yeah, that really helps with your land. Well, we, we when we work on landings, we usually go up to Dayton um, uh, to Alpha Zero, which is, mm-hmm. you know, 10 minutes flying north. Um, and that's got a much wider and longer runway. But it's really nice to kind of focus your landings on that little 3,000 by 50 foot runway. Welcome to Logbook Memories, an aviation podcast about remembering and sharing our past flights. I'm David Allen, a student pilot. And I'm Michael Ladd, a private pilot. Guests on Logbook Memories look back through their pilot logbook to find a particularly interesting, adventurous, enjoyable, scary, or otherwise memorable flight. Then they come on here and share the story of that flight in their own words. Our next guest is ready to go, so let's mic him up. Our guest this week is Mike Harris of the Why We Fly podcast. You can actually find information about that podcast uh, at uh, whywefly.org. Very very cool podcast. Uh, Mike Harris is also the owner of a Piper Tripacer, which he flies out of a uh, a grass strip, 2,000-foot grass strip. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. This is Mike Harris, private pilot and proud owner of a Piper Tripacer in Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> Welcome to Why We Fly. Oh, wait, wait, What? that's not what we're on this time, that's is not, it? No, that's not what we're doing. Well, it's uh, close, though. It's cool. No, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. Good to talk to y'all. No, yeah, great to have, have you. It's good to have you, man. Yeah, we actually have had you on the list for a while. We're just uh, loving, loving uh, other creators and people who share the aviation love with other people, so... Um, we can't wait to hear your story, but why a tripacer? You've had that for how long now? Uh, just over three years. Um, you Glass know, panel? It, it, uh, yeah, right. Uh, 1957. Uh, you know, I've got an iPad mini with synthetic vision though, you know, <laughs> there on, you on, four, on four flight. Um, so I actually, it's my first airplane I purchased. Um, I was in a club 172 before that and I was, I learned to fly on 172s. And I was ready to buy an airplane, and I wasn't looking for a tripacer. I was looking for an airplane I could afford, and it kind of met my mission. And um, I, I actually bought it from a friend of mine who um, was getting his dad's Bonanza because his dad had built himself a Sea Ray. So once the Sea Ray was done, we all kind of swapped airplanes. And his my buddy got his dad's Bonanza, and I bought the tripacer. And um, so it was my buddy had had it for ten years. His dad was the A and P mechanic that had done all the work on it. 
And, you know, you, you feel good about a plane that the mechanic is ma- maintaining it so his grandkids can fly around in it, you know. Um, so it makes you feel good about its history. Um, and it really does it really does what I need it to do on a great budget. And that's the bottom line. That's really the answer to your question is that it it's a four-seat airplane that cruises 120 miles an hour. And I can put my wife and my four-year-old son in 100 pounds of bags. And go to Sun and Fun, you know, or go to the beach or go to Oshkosh. So it does what I need it to do. What's the range on that thing? Uh, it's, it, so the performance is real comparable to 172. That's the best way for everybody to, to realize it. I mean, the, the okay. weight, the speed, the range, the fuel burn, it's just like a 172 um, virtually, especially like an older one, older 172s. Actually, a lot of uh, Tri-Pacer people tell you, Tri-Pacer outrun a 172. A little, it's a little bit faster. Um, I think it depends on your 172. But um, so yeah, so it's it's real comparable um, performance all the way around to 172. It's just a little bit smaller, a little bit shorter, narrower. But um, but you, it's harder to get an adult in the back seat. But other than that, you know, it it does what it does. So you're still flying this thing? Oh yeah, it it, it does what it does on a really really good budget. I mean, you can pick up a Tri-Pacer for 20 or 25 grand um you know it's a tube and fabric airplane so that scares some people but uh but it's a great airplane i actually just read an article today uh, not the first article i've read that said this but this was from um i forget who it was it's from one of the alphabet groups um i think it was, yeah, it was an eaa sport pilot i think and it was talking about affordable vintage airplanes and it and the tri-pacer was on its top 10 list and the blurb there said that it's quite possibly one of the most undervalued airplanes is like one of the best bargain buy airplanes out there. I have believed that forever. I have loved the Tri-Pacer. The first time I saw one at Dallas Bay, um, a guy had one there and my instructor, Ben, we and I were walking around, um, you know, the back hangers and he had just gotten back from flying and we went over and talked to him and I fell in love with it. I love that plane. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I've put, um, yeah, I mean, I've had it three years, and I've put about 300 hours on it. Maybe not quite that, but close to it uh, in the three years that I've had it. So I've been all over. I've been to Sun and Fun three times. Uh, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, like I said. So I've been to, from here, I've been to Sun and Fun three times, Oshkosh twice. I've been to the beach in Florida, I think, three other times. Um, and I've crisscrossed all over the southeast a lot as well. You've flown that plane to Florida three times? <laughs> Oh, more than that. Well, I've done Sun and Fun three times. Um, well, to the beach. I, where do you go with? Where do you go for that? Um, let's see. We went to close to Destin, Florida. That's the closest beach that's, to Nashville. That's, stop it. That's not Florida, dude. That's Lower Alabama. Everybody knows it. Stop <laughs> calling it Florida. <laughs> Says the Florida man. Hey, you, you got you got to claim everything in your state. Mm-hmm. Li- no, listen, I got not no. claim anything in the Panhandle. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I, I kind of agree with Dave. I, I agree with both of you because when I grew up in South Florida and Fort Lauderdale, that was the same thing where. The panhandle was like so far away, and it was like a whole nother state, let alone you know almost another country. But now that I'm in Chattanooga, it's that's like the closest beach, and that's where everybody goes. Everybody yeah, drives can, drives six I can hours drive down. Drive to Chattanooga quicker than I can drive to Pensacola. It's ridiculous. Yeah, oh, I know. It's uh, six hours from Chattanooga. Yeah, but that's that's why we don't drive. That's why we fly. <laughs> it's exactly it's an easy flight. Dot org. From, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's um. You know, from Nashville or Chattanooga is virtually the same uh, to Destin's about a three-hour flight and maybe three hours and 15 minutes in the Tri-Pacer. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, when I went there, I actually landed at a little grass strip, too, close to close to uh, Mexico Beach that was really cool. Um, oh, wow. And the other, the other place in Florida that I went to the beach was down um, close to in Inglewood, Florida, close to Sarasota, down that way. That's oh, wow. Florida. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's Florida for you. Um, and I flew into a grass strip there as well, actually, uh, Bucking Field, if I remember, um, right there in Inglewood, because it nice. was closer than any of the public airports, because I was actually going to Inglewood, because that's where my dad grew up, and we were going down for my uncle's birthday. What was so the airport called? we flew called? into a, a Buchan, if I remember right, B-U-C-H-A-N, I believe. I want to say it's X-Ray 36, something like that. I could be wrong. That's been like two or three years. So if I got that airport identifier right, I'm going to be really impressed. But uh, uh, it's down. Yeah, it's I'm right there it. in Inglewood. Oh, Inglewood. There it is. Yeah. B-U-C-H-A-N. Yeah. Okay. 
I'm just wondering if I've seen this because when I was down in the Tampa area, I went driving around one day and went pretty far south and actually I found a little grass strip somewhere. So I'm just wondering if that was the same place. Yeah, X- could have been. X-36. Yeah, oh, I got it right. I'm, I'm, that was a long time ago, so I'm impressed I got that right. Um, yeah, that was a cool That was a cool spot. Um, so we've been, and like I said, I've been to Lakeland three times. Um, I think that's all the Florida flying I've done so Are you going to make Lakeland this year? Oh, yeah, for sure. And Oshkosh. Um, I may actually, so I'm, I am going to do something different. And I'm because of that, I may drive because I'm going to bring my four and a half year old son. Um, and he flies great. It's not the flying to Oshkosh or flying to Sun and Fun that I'm worried about. It's more so the camping under the wing for seven days with a four-year-old because um, that's what I've been doing is camping under the wing and vintage um, camping usually. Um and I'm more thinking that I'm going to bring a van that we can camp in type thing instead of uh, camping under the wing. Even though I'd much rather fly, I think he's a little young for uh, for that many days of camping in just a tent. Yeah. Well, I would say that's entirely up to you, but my five-year-old can do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, uh, I've seen the, the palaces of tents you guys bring. <laughs> yeah. And you ought to consider coming and camping with us over at Camp, uh, Camp Radioactive. That's, uh, well, I, I, I did that last wing. year. Kind of he, he, I think you did last year. Yeah, okay. I did last year. The two, uh, the two years ago, I was under the wing in Vintage, and last year I flew down and then uh, golf carted over to Camp Radioactive and camped with you guys there. And that's what I'll do for sure again at Sun and Fun. And um, at Oshkosh this year, I, I was still with the with the airplane, but I may do Camp Bacon this year um, since I'm not gonna since I'm thinking I might not have the airplane there. So, cool. Well, yeah, awesome. So, um, whenever you want to come back to Florida, you know, because real Florida, if you're in the Space Coast <laughs> area, let me know. We'll go grab a grab a drink or something. We have big wide runways at Melbourne, so you know you probably could land sideways on it because we have like 200 <laughs> feet wide nice. yeah. so uh yeah uh but it'd be really fun maybe you should uh if you have a get, get a chance go fly the shuttle landing facility tour. i was just gonna say you can take just for yeah. a ride on or take them for a low pass over the yeah over the shuttle a really landing cool facility trip. you just call the tower and say i'd like to do a pass and they say sure come on up so it's a lot of fun yeah, I've heard that. Ken Viard uh, from Pilot Partner told gave, told me a story yep. about that. Um, I think it was I when he was on that my... with Ken in his Bonanza. Oh, there you go. Nice. Yeah, yeah. He he told me about that. That sounds really neat. Yep. I actually just did it about two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, with another friend in a Piper Aero. So that was cool. Jealous. Nice. Yeah, you should be. Yeah, I am. So, Especially uh, since I'm the one that like found that pro- that procedure like five years ago. I was like, oh, I was like so <laughs> excited. Yeah, I've actually well, got. All you got to do my... is get an airplane to come down. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. I said all you got to do is get an airplane to come down. I mean, it's yeah, I know, I know. I need to. I've, I've it's got a long it on flight. my short. I've got it on my short list of destinations to just for a day trip to take my four year old to Huntsville because it's just like a hour flight away, if even that. Um, and they have the you know Huntsville Rocket Center there um, that is supposed to be really yeah. neat too. Earlier this year, it I is, went to been, have you been? Yeah, it's 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 a neat little setup. It's a it's a good full day hanging out there. Yeah, and a lot of yeah. stuff for kids. Yeah, that'll be fun. Fly down the Tri Pacer in the morning, spend the day, and then fly back. So I went to the in the fall. I went to the I was in Houston for work, and I went to the uh, Houston Rocket Center, and that was really really cool. So I want to check the one in Huntsville out too. Nice, awesome. I don't think I've I've been to the one in Huntsville. I've never been to the one in Houston. Yeah, I haven't either. So that'll be cool. Yeah, good. We, we were actually there for a work, um, like big national sales meeting, and my company had a private event at the museum in the evening. So we had the the museum to ourselves with with beer and food everywhere throughout the museum so i'm walking around drinking a craft beer ipa looking at the apollo landing uh you know exhibits and stuff i mean it was just incredible <laughs> that is cool so mike tell us about uh tell us about what flight you want to share with us today so um i guess I, you know you guys caught me at a time when i, I the, the most recent flight i did was was really incredible so i, I figured that's the one i got to tell you guys about um I, I so just last week I was actually in Hawaii um, in Oahu um, so we flew into Honolulu 
Um, and it was actually a work trip. I don't travel for work all that often, but this just so happened. I don't I realize needed... the TriPacer could make that kind of a flight. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. You put it in a cargo ship, it'll make it there. That's about the only way. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we flew the we flew United over there, um, which I'm I'm really not a big fan of airline travel, even though I like love airplanes. I'm I don't fit in those seats very well. Um, so that's not that's not the flight I'm talking about. Um, but it was actually it was a work trip, and we were I took my wife with me. Um, and I had basically one day of work, but of course we made the trip, so we had to stay for like five days um, and spend some time in Hawaii as well. And so after work was done, I'd set all this up ahead of time with um, uh, Barber's Point Flight School um, out of the General Aviation Airport close to Honolulu, Kalioloa airport i don't know i'm probably I, I slaughtered the names of everything in hawaii the whole time i was there the hardest thing about <laughs> flying in hawaii was pronouncing the stuff to air traffic control <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what was the name of the airport again we'll put it in the links yeah. in the show yeah, notes it's, a, it's papa hotel Bert. juliet romeo so at least you got that papa hotel juliet romeo Kalialoa, <laughs> I think is how it's pronounced, and it's just it's just okay. it's just west of of Honolulu. Um, it's only a few miles. Um, I see it. Yeah, well, yeah. You yeah. Mean, you mean John Rogers Field? Yeah, but that's not what they call it. <laughs> I know it says that on the sectional, but they call it Kalialoa, yeah. and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so difficult. Kalialoa. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, so that was the flight. So I, I rented a 172, um, and uh, we, you know, of course, we went up with an instructor because they don't just toss you the keys to a 172 and say good luck. Um, but I didn't, I didn't want to take all. I didn't want to take the time to do the checkout and then go fly. I was just like, well, we'll just go with an instructor, and um, and and it was actually great because he just got to be the tour guide. And he was he was a young guy that was building time for the airlines and. Uh, he really enjoyed kind of the break because he's doing mostly primary students and everything. So he did. He just let me do you know do all the flying and uh, and he sat in the right seat of course. And then my wife was in the back. Um, and so we took off from Kalialoa and then headed uh, all the way around the island for we did about a 1.2 hour flight um, all the way around Oahu. So it was just incredibly beautiful. We left out of Kalialoa and we're because it's so close to Honolulu, we were right in the Bravo just after we, you know, we, at, shortly after climbing out, we headed east and asked permission to come into the Bravo course. And, um, and so that was kind of cool too. It was like, I wasn't just flying in Hawaii, but we went through the, went through the Bravo right over what Honolulu. What was it like getting clearance to do that? No big deal at all. They were, they were super nice and, um, uh, very accommodating. And, and they had a, you know, the, the flight instructor had me on a path that he knew didn't conflict. It was a path they use all the time. And it was really like VFR flying. He's like, okay, you see this highway, follow this highway. And at this point, call up Honolulu approach and tell them you're over this waypoint and request clearance into the Bravo for a eastbound transition. Um, and they were, they gave me a squat code and said, no problem. And, uh, I think, I think they told me to stay at a certain altitude. We were at, we were like 1500 feet or so. Um, and at once, I think once I had to, while I was in the Bravo, I had to um, descend a little bit to stay VFR under some clouds. Um, but they were totally cool with that. I just said, hey, you know, you know Honolulu approach, need to descend a couple of hundred feet for clouds. And they said, no problem. Because we, we were in an area, we were in a corridor that wasn't going to conflict with the uh, approach approaching departing aircraft to Honolulu. Um, so we flew right over Honolulu, right over, you know, Waikiki beach essentially. And, um, so he, in the whole time from the, as soon as we took off and the whole time around the Island, Vince, the flight instructor from Barber's point is just pointing out everything, every site, every single thing telling us the, you know, we flew right over Pearl Harbor. My wife actually got great pictures of the, uh, of the USS Arizona Memorial and a, a nice. great picture of cool. the, of the Memorial with Ford Island airfield in the same picture. Cause I mean, it's right next to each other. So it's not like that's hard, but she, she perfectly framed up. She not intentionally cause she didn't, I don't think really realize that that was the airfield. She was trying to just take a picture of the memorial in the area, but she had it perfectly framed with the, with the Ford Island airfield, which was like ground zero of the Pearl Harbor attacks. They attacked all the airfields before they attacked the battleships. 
Um, so that airfield right there was just, you know, was just ground zero. Um, and then they, once they took out all the, all the airplanes on the ground, then they, then they attacked the battleships. Um, of course we went to Pearl Harbor later the same day and did the tour and, and all that and went to the, um, Pacific Aviation Museum there on, on Ford Island. So we did all that stuff too, that, that same day, but this was the morning of before we did that. And she got a great picture of, uh, of Pearl Harbor, um, and of other sites, there's a, um, a National Pacific Cemetery, um, military cemetery there. And, um, and then we, we just followed the, we kind of went through the Class Bravo. And then at the southeast corner of the island, that's where we kind of picked up the island and followed the island all the way around for the rest of the flight, uh, about an hour. So about 1.2 total. So I really, he just told me, you know, you go a little bit off, off the coast and, at whatever distance you're comfortable and we put it i had it at about 1300 feet for the whole flight and we just kind of were we were over the water but you know close to the shore so we had a nice just perfect view out of the left of the airplane of the of the beaches and of the mountains and that's and that this is our first time to hawaii and what's so cool about it is that as as island paradises go is that these you know these volcanic mountains you know all around the island so there's all these cool mountains and ridges that are all green and, and pretty and awesome. And then they're like right on the beach. So you get that all right in the same, in the same scenery, in the same scenery. So we just followed all the way around. He pointed out, um, he pointed out all these cool sites to us. And my wife did a great job taking pictures. Um, the, the Island where they filmed Gilligan's Island was there, I guess where they filmed some of the scenes that was right there under that we flew over. Um, I thought it was a really cool spot where he said they filmed uh, Jurassic Park and King Kong. I'm not sure which King Kong because there's been a bunch. I, I guess I'm not sure which Jurassic Park because there's been a bunch of those too. <laughs> but uh, I think some of the original ones. I don't know about the new. Maybe oh, maybe the new ones too. But yeah, I'm and, sure and you someone else it, will you know. Can tell it was these. It, it reminded me of the scenery from Jurassic Park, like in the original one when they're flying the helicopter in into the valley between the green mountains, and it's all misty mm-hmm. and cool. Um, so that was really, really neat. He pointed that out to us. Um, and then we, we kind of flew around the, you know, less inhabited east side of the island, all, all the way up the coast, all the way up the beaches and seeing the waves breaking and the big waves, um, and all the way around. So it was, it was really, really incredible scenery. And then he was, he, once we got to the, uh, west side of the island where he knew of, um, that he had spotted whales before. He's just he's just letting me fly and let me do all that and he's just like diligently looking for whales and he found whales for us too. So cool. that was super nice. cool. Yeah. So then that, that actually that was about the only time that he flew. So once we found the whales, I you know, I started bank doing a kind of descending turn to to come come around and get a look at them and then he took the airplane which is perfect. So he so that I could really get a good look and uh and he descended down uh, a little bit lower and circled around and my wife got some good pictures and then they dove down uh dove down in the water so it was it was pretty quick but but we got we got good a good sighting for sure um and actually we saw another one right before we were landing uh we saw another one off that off that same coast and that was the first time my wife or i had seen whales so that was really cool to see whales from 800 feet in an airplane off the uh coast of hawaii (laughs) <laughs> nice. That's magic. So, it it really was incredible. Um, you know, I've I've drugged my poor wife flying many many times. Um, but I think this was her favorite flight ever. I mean, she doesn't love flying with me. Honestly, it's it. She just uh, she enjoys getting places quickly, but she doesn't really love being in the airplane. Especially, she gets a little claustrophobic, and that's part of it. Um. But this flight, she was she was really excited, and it was just the scenery was incredible, calm winds, beautiful day, beautiful morning, circling Oahu, um, with a tour guide pointing everything out. So it, it was really really incredible. That's cool. So I'm looking at the sectional here, and it looks like the Honolulu class Bravo is kind of like half a class Bravo. Like anything, once you get like the class the the huge majority of the bravo lives out over the pacific ocean and so mm-hmm. once you get over land it dies very quickly right yeah so i can see how you can follow the shore you can uh, you go through the the base there but you once you kind of get out you follow the shore and then you're you're out right you're out of the bravo 
And mm-hmm. so what I'm also looking at, though, is on the sectional. I mean, there are no less than five, six, six. I'm seeing parachute um, skydiving area. Seven, I'm seeing skydiving areas on here. Like, what was it like? And they're all, of course, along the shore. Did you have to, you know, avoid any of those areas or was it just um you know we did um we did tune into the to the seats of the air the traffic frequency for each airport kind of as we we're coming up on it and i think i think it's exactly for a lot of that reason um so we were listening as we were coming around to everybody i think we did hear one active um skydiving uh, airplane coming up when we were coming around but it wasn't we didn't fly right over the field and we were listening to him and i think we made a call to him as well say hey we're coming around just transitioning and and he said it'd be no factor so that was no big deal we did see some gliders one glider on the uh operating on the um somewhere on the north shore as well north or east shore i think as well um so yeah it was no big deal but but yeah he did he did tune us in to the different uh, different airports as we came around just just so we were aware of what's going on um, and you know there's a lot of military stuff there too so we were you know we had to stay out of the of the, there's a restricted area that we stayed out of that we, we made sure to go around because um, there's a lot of a lot of army and military fields there as well so but yeah it was no big deal with the um, with the skydivers and I've there's some uh, skydiving place in Tennessee in Tullahoma Tennessee that I fly past all the time and they're really active there, but it's it's no big deal, especially if you're on flight following, and which is I almost always am. That's that's what I like to do is be on flight following, and then air traffic control is going to tell you if it's an issue because that skydivers are all, always talking to flight following as well. That's where I went for my first cross country solo was Tullahoma. Nice, and nice. the same thing. I they called jumpers in the air when I was yeah. landing. By the time I had taxied taxied into taxi back to the FBO, they were already on the ground. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. The AOPA fly-in this fall is uh, is in Tullahoma. They came to yeah. Tullahoma three years ago, I think, and they're coming back yeah. again this fall. I'd like to go to that again. I went yeah, that first year a, too. There's a Beechcraft Museum there as well. They have a big. Uh, they call it the Beach Party, um, with all the beach beach aircraft fly-in and at the museum there in Tullahoma too. It's a cool airport. That is cool. On the sectional here on Hawaii and Oahu, I'm also seeing this indication that says, Notice, for reasons of national security, pilots are requested to avoid flight below 5,000 feet MSL in this area. Did, yeah, did, we, we, we didn't go in that area. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we did not do 5,001. <laughs> are you looking uh, at the restricted area? I, it might be. I can't really tell. Um, it, it, I think it might be. It's it's not the same color as restricted, but it might be pointing to the restricted, so it's hard to say. It looks like there's also an aerial cableway, so it looks like, you know, Oahu's got its share of hazards, you know? You yeah. You gotta be toes when you're flying around this thing. And I'm looking at sectional two, and that just reminded me as well, um, there's some windmills as well, um, you know, and they're not super tall, but I did I did see the windmills um, as we came around too. Um, oh, yeah, I see some right there on the north side of the field, uh, north side of the yeah. island. Yep, yep. Oh yeah, I see the I see the notice you're talking about. Um yeah, it's I think it's it's referring to that alert area, I believe. Okay. Uh, which we stayed out of the alert and the restricted area. Yeah. Yeah, cuz cool. there are um, you know, there's uh there's Wheeler Air uh Airbase, Hickam Airfield, you know, and there's um there's Schofield Barracks, there's you know, and there's Pearl Harbor. There's a bunch of military stuff there. And actually, I was just listening to um, Airplane Geeks, and David Vanderhoof was talking about going to Wahoo, Oahu soon, and he said that there are uh, B-2 bombers based there uh, somewhere, and F-22s um, were there right now. So, so there's some real military hardware there for sure. As far as flying around over there, what is it? You, you always, like when you're out west or whatever, people talk about mountain flying and getting you know, checked out or trained in that. And uh, is there anything special? Because it's, it's a very dynamic landscape out there. So what, you know, with oceans and mountains and snow and tropics and volcanoes and everything else, is there anything special that you need to know when you're flying out there? 
You know, when I called for, made the reservation. I guess, for, I guess as far as what you learn while you're out there. Yeah, well, and no, it's a good question because when I called and made the reservation, you know, they did say um, that they often get more significant wind than we get in the lower 48. Um, and with, like you said, with the mountains and ridges and stuff, I could definitely see if they had some more wind going, seeing it being, you know, some turbulence and everything. Um, when I, the flight that we did, we were lucky and we had really calm winds. I mean, I think the winds were like four knots that morning or something. It was just nothing. So it was a real calm day. Um, but yeah, I, I think they definitely can get some windier stuff. And my assumption would be that would cause some some bumps with the when you're coming around the ridges and stuff. I mean, they're not huge mountains. I mean, you know, what are they three thousand feet? Um, you know, so it's even you know we, it's even less than like the Smoky Mountains. Um, but I, I did I, I will tell you another observation that I made when I was there is like of the weather patterns. You can definitely tell that the clouds would form up along the mountain ridges because you'd have the the air coming in off the ocean and then would hit the mountains and and kind of move up and create clouds create some white puffies Mm -hmm. um i definitely noticed that the whole week i was there that you would you'd see blue sky and then there'd be some there'd be some white puffies over the over the mountains like almost the whole time and when we did our our flight around around we did hit one little spot of of rain but it wasn't it wasn't much at all and i think we were through it in two minutes or something um so yeah so from my experience it wasn't anything too challenging or or um or really i mean it, it would have been no big deal at all like i would have been completely comfortable flying around you know just flying around there by myself no big deal um especially in the conditions the, the day I went, you know, so may, maybe another day it would be, it might be 25 mile an hour winds or something that would, that would be a little more challenging. But on the day I went, it was, it was, it was just perfect. I think it'd be a lot of fun to go to another Island. Uh, that was my next question. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like head over to Molokai or something like that. Yeah, if I'd had more time or if, for our for our entire trip and we were going to cuz I actually kicked that around like cuz we were talking about like going to Maui or something and we ultimately decided just to stay on Oahu cuz we only had a few days and checking out of hotels and going to a different island and getting back it just was too much logistically but but yeah, if we if we'd been there for like a week and a half or something then I I could definitely see like, you know, flying GA to Maui or something instead of flying the airlines, you know, that would have been really cool. Um, cause I, I know you, I mean, I know there's some islands that are not far, um, and lots of airports around there. I mean, uh, airplanes, I mean, airplane, kind of like Alaska, you know, airplanes are, are really important in Hawaii cause you know, you got all these islands. Um, so people are taking little, little island hopper flights all the time. Um, so yeah, it was, it was cool. Um, I don't think I saw any. Okay, I just no, I, I know I, it's I did not a lot, see of, a lot of the area seems pretty like rocky and cliffs besides the beach areas, but I wasn't sure if they there was a big seaplane contingency. Well, you there. know the the waves are so like like legit, <laughs> like compared to you know East Coast waves. I mean, or the especially compared yeah. to the Gulf. I mean, the late the waves are serious. So, you know, I'm sure you could land a seaplane like in, in Pearl Harbor or something, but, um, but out around the island in the ocean, mm-hmm. I mean, the waves are pretty serious. Yeah. So I don't know. You know, I'm not saying there's not any seaplanes there cause there probably are, but I, I just didn't happen to cross any. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So yeah, it was fun. So, so do you have any plans ever to uh, go back to Hawaii, and and if so, would you would you go on a longer adventure by yourself if you could? You know, I I I certainly would do. The, to the second question, yeah, absolutely. If I was back there, you know, if I could rent a plane for a reasonable cost for a few days, an island hop or something like that, I would totally do that. Um, I'm not sure that I see going back there because. Um, you know, you know. Here, here's a big shocker. Hawaii is a long way from Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is a long way. I mean, it was 12 hours of traveling. You know, a, a layover in Denver on the way out there, and a layover in San Francisco on the way back. 
it was a long way um, on the airlines, and it's beautiful and it was incredible. Um, but you know, I'm I'm of the mindset that the Caribbean is really close. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> you, a lot you know, closer, a lot closer. And Hawaii, it feel I mean, compared to the Caribbean, it feels like it's on the other side of the world. Almost, I mean, it's 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 just a long way, and it's a big time difference and all that. So I could actually much more see, uh, and, and definitely have, I have not done it yet, but definitely have plans to do some serious island adventures and maybe some seaplane adventures in the Caribbean, um, especially the Bahamas, because Bahamas... Uh, Tons of the, islands in, out there. Yeah, absolutely. And in the Tri-Pacer, or especially in like my next airplane, um, the Bahamas is really striking distance from Nashville. I mean... Even the tri-pacer, like it, could do it in your tri-pacer easily. Yeah, I, I know I definitely yeah. can because I mean I, I got to Lakeland. I mean it takes me six hours to get to Lakeland, so I do when I when I fly to Nashville, Lakeland, I stop for fuel in South Georgia in Moultrie, Georgia, usually, and then I fly on to Lakeland. And it's and it's usually five and a half hours or so um, to Lakeland, and then once you're in Lakeland, the Bahamas are like right there. It seems like I remember being down there and looking at it on the map. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're right there. If <laughs> I could just go, you know, they do a um, at Sun and Fun. What is it? The Sunday morning or Saturday morning? They actually do a flyout, a group flyout to the Bahamas after yeah. Sun and Fun. Yep, I've heard that. Actually, yeah, I think so it's I on de- their website now. I think it's like on the front page of their the FlySNF.org site. There you I go. I just happened to there see it go. a couple of days ago. Yeah, I definitely have plans to do that. Whether it's in the Tri-Pacer, whether it's in my next airplane, which would be a little bit, a little bit faster, a little bit bigger. Um, what is that one? Uh, Cherokee Six is what I really have my uh, kind of eye on for the yeah. next airplane. You didn't get that uh, idea from the guy you had on your last episode, did you? No, no, I've had <laughs> you that already idea. had that. <laughs> yeah, I've I've been ha- I've had that idea for a couple, three, several years at least. Um, so, and you know, in, in that kind of airplane from Nashville, you can get to the Bahamas in, you know, just over four hours, which to me is like, hey, work a half day on a Friday and I'm having dinner in the Bahamas, you know? That's correct. Yes. So. Yeah. That's was like one of my first trips I want to take. Um, you know, not the first, but one of the first trips I take when I get my private is heading over to the Bahamas. That just sounds to me like green. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go over, get some Bahamian conch chowder for lunch, and come home. Yeah, there you go. And when you're down there too, I mean, when you're already down in Florida, you know the Keys are are right there as well. And um, it's supposed to be great to fly down to the to the Keys. I've heard. I can yes. be in the Keys in two hours in a one seventy two. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I plan to. <laughs> that, that is awesome. <laughs> I would love to do that. Here. That is on my bucket list. So you answered one of my other questions, which was, uh, are you going to stick it out for the for the Tri-Pacer? And it sounds like you already are thinking about that next airplane. Why a Cherokee 6? Um, it has a lot to do with uh, space and weight. Um, His son's getting so, older. You know, the, the, yeah, again, he takes after me, which means he's going to be huge, you know. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm 6'2", and I'm a big guy, so, like, the Tri-Pacer's already kind of a tight fit. Um, and my, my wife's 5'10", so that's why that's part of why she gets claustrophobic is because I take up more of my share of room and she's crammed in next to me. Uh, and, you know, and, and as my son gets older and older, it'll be more and more of a challenge. Um, it'll be fine. The tri-pace will be fine for years and years to come. Um, and I will probably will keep it for a number of years to come. And, and I may keep it, honestly, I may keep it forever and just... Um, I, it's crossed my mind before to start a club with the Tri-Pacer or, you know, down the road for some really inexpensive flying. So I, if I put five or six people in a club with the Tri-Pacer, it's like flying for free, <laughs> you know, just about. Yeah. Um, so I've thought about maybe doing something like that because I do want to promote aviation every way I can. And, and so maybe, you know, I might not even get rid of the Tri-Pacer. I might do something like that with it. We'll see. Uh, and I've got some other plans, too, that... Um, you know, so we'll see. So the the tri the uh, the Cherokee six uh, could be, you know, could be th- two to four years away. Could end up being six or eight years away, depending on some other airplane plans I have that may or may not come to fruition. So we'll see. Um, but I love the Tri Pacer for what it does, and it does it does what it does on a great budget, and and it's it definitely meets my mission for for a while to come. Um, 
it's just it, the Cherokee Six would be bigger and more comfortable. My wife would like it a lot more um, for that reasons, and and it'd be neat. I to, bet she would have a lot more fun flying in that. I'm sure. Oh yeah, you get yeah. you get one oh, with yeah. the club. You get one with the club seating, and she could get in the back and stretch out and. You know, sleep. And, all of, and sleep, yeah, and and not be crammed in next to my big shoulders. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and and you know, also the weight becomes kind of a non-issue because so I can actually take you know some other adult men and go on a flight somewhere like like uh, the Bahamas, or I'm also a snow skier, so a Cherokee Six would get me from Nashville to Denver in a in a reasonable amount of time, about five hours or something like that. So. A plane that I could put my dad, and my brother, and another buddy, and and ski gear in, and fly to Denver. That also holds a lot of appeal to me. Um, so it's the kind of airplane you can do some stuff like that in, and uh, you know. But it's it's the Tri Pacer's a great a great first airplane. It's a great starter airplane. That's what I tell people. It's a great starter airplane, you know. And <laughs> and I might keep it for. 10 years or I might keep it even longer. You want to have other airplanes. We'll see, but, uh, I'm loving it now and I, I still love it and we'll keep, keep flying the heck out of it. And, uh, and we'll see what else comes down the road. Uh, some, I like someday it. I'm going to have to have a seaplane as well. You know, that, that's in my oh, future. Yes. Um, so it's, it's kind of like I talk about on, on why we fly. One of the questions I often ask people is, you know, what, what are your three airplanes? Like nobody can just have one airplane. Because they do different things, they do different things well. That you know, so I I can envision a day, hopefully, where with some shared ownership and some you know financial success, that I've got access to two, if not three or four airplanes, to do some of the kind of different things that I want to do. You know, with your house at the with your house at the airport, with your big hangar with three airplanes in it. Yeah, I tell you what, I, I'd, I'd live on an airport in a heartbeat. I can afford a house on an airport. I cannot afford the divorce that it would cost me, though. <laughs> <laughs> True. So. I always asked when we had a, a podcast years ago called the Pilot's Flight Pod Log, and one of the questions we would ask a lot of people was, if you had three airplanes, what would they be? And you had one to go fast, one to go slow, and one to go upside down. Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's fun, you know, so we'll, we'll see. I got, I, there's, you know, there's, there's not a lot of airplanes that I wouldn't love to fly or wouldn't love to have in my hangar, but, uh, you know, I definitely have my favorites, but, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see what the future holds. Well, I, I honestly thought you were going to talk about a different flight today. I thought you were going to talk about the extra. Well, you know, uh, I thought about that one too, obviously. Um, cause yeah, back in, back in the fall, I, uh, I on my birthday actually I I flew the Tri-Pacer over Lebanon Airport in just the Nashville area and went on a aerobatic ride in an extra 300 which was <laughs> incredible. That um, was that was some of I mean, you know, you had a half a face it was some of the, you know, and the audio kept clipping and it was just I was like, "Oh my goodness." But it was the looked like the most fun I've ever seen anybody have in an airplane in my entire life. <laughs> I absolutely loved yep. it. It was my yep. favorite video that was just i was like oh this is perfect doing what are you doing hammerhead stalls and barrel rolls oh, yeah. and loops doing, and barrel on and i was doing a lot of the flying and do a lot of those maneuvers and i it saw was, that it was awesome it was awesome yeah the the video the the i didn't do the video the the guy who's playing it is had gopros set up and and um and i should have i should have adjusted a little bit higher because yeah it was kind of off off my face a little bit but uh uh, yeah, Extreme Thrill Rides. Uh, Corey uh, Gorillas is the guy at, there at Lebanon Airport who does uh, who does rides at his extra, and I thought that was a pretty good birthday present to myself. Uh, first time ever going upside down in an airplane, and I didn't tell my wife. Uh, I told her I was going flying. I did not tell her I was going flying upside down. <laughs> upside down. <laughs> That's cool. Because awesome. I didn't want her to worry. And, and actually, my wife and I have the same birthday, um, which is very unusual. But so it was both of our birthdays that day. Um, and for some reason, she insisted on working. And I said for her birthday, and I was like, no, I'm going to take the day off and go fly. And then, uh, and that night, you know, I told her that I actually, and she could tell something was up when you know, I was just grinning ear to ear when she came <laughs> home from work and she's like, what did you do? And actually, no, what she said, she said, did you what buy did you an buy? airplane? <laughs> yeah. What did you buy an airplane? Today? <laughs> that's, exactly. <laughs> that's the, that's the grin that I had was like, you know, and she's like, what did, what did you buy? Uh, and I was like, well, 
I did I did buy a ride in an airplane and she was and she was like what and I was like yeah I uh, I went in a in an aerobatic you know an air show machine I mean extra three hundred like that's sure. a, that's a real deal it's plus iconic 10 in the, air, minus, in the air show circuit oh yeah exactly I think it's plus ten G's minus ten G's and uh, I mean we didn't pull anything close to that of course because I would have been passed out and puking passed out. But, yeah but uh, we did pull we did do a little bit of negative G's so we got a feel for that too and uh, yeah that was that was an incredible flight that thing's just it just whips over. It's so nimble. You just kind of just give it a little bit of stick, and it's rolling upside down. It, it was so neat. Um, yeah, that um, that was definitely uh, of this past twelve months. Those two flights were were the most were the most incredible. I've, I've you know been fortunate to have two really really incredible aviation experiences in the last few months. Um, but you know, one thing I t- one thing I talked about with somebody on my podcast before is that when you ask somebody. When you ask somebody that does a lot of flying for fun, so like me, like I, I do almost all my all my flying is for fun, basically. So when you talk to somebody that's like that, and you say, you know, what's your favorite flight? You oftentimes get an answer that's a very recent flight. <laughs> yeah, because it's the most memorable. It's the most yeah. it's when you remember most, but all of them are your favorites, basically. Exactly, exactly. Like like the extra three hundred flight was incredible, and obviously that was my favorite flight. You know. Except I just flew until to Hawaii the next last week. <laughs> exactly <laughs> until the next one, and I just and then um, flying and flying in Hawaii last week. So I, you know, I've been fortunate to get some really cool flying in this year. And normally, like last couple of years, it's been you know lots of tri-pacer flying, which is awesome. And I have good stories about that too, like flying into Oshkosh and flying into Sun and Fun and flying through the Atlanta class Bravo at night and you know things like that. A um, lot of the flying that I normally do. But uh, this this last and actually the the extra flight and the flight in Oahu were the first times I've flown anything other than the Tri Pacer in like three years. Um, I mean, I've, all of my time logged has been in the Tri Pacer since in the last three years. So wow. those are the kind of only two other other than Tri Pacer flights I've done. Um, so in wait, a while. You, you you flew in Atlanta's Class B? Yeah. Oh yeah, I've done it a bunch of times. Um, They'll never let me in there. I mean, well, you said you did it at night. Maybe that's why. But I've, they've never let me through through there. I mean, you buzz the Atlanta Tower. I mean, you buzz the Atlanta Tower one time, and they never forget it. <laughs> it's like it's like they hold a grudge forever, ever. Oh, let it that, go. It's that, it's that call sign again. Turn him away. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, seriously. But mine's usually weekends or something, or you know, in middle of the day. So I'm usually flying, you know, on the east side of it or the west side of it, anyways. Yeah, my uh, my parents live in Peachtree City. That's where I went to high school as well. And it's mm-hmm. it's on the south side of Atlanta. It's Atlanta. The airport's Falcon Field, Atlanta Southern South Regional, or something like that. And sure. um, when so they always keep me out of the Bravo until I'm well south of the East West departure corridor, and then they and then they tell me I can go in, and and you can really get in under the shelf as well. So some of the a good bit of the time I was under the shelves. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. I thought you um, were I mean, transitioning right through the middle of class beat, Bravo. I, I see what you're saying. No, yeah, I, I was talking to him uh, and squawking, but I was underneath the shelf. Um, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, I have flown um, directly through it, uh, in it, um, and, and actually they let me through it with no problem then. And what I did is I, I came into the very like due north part of the Bravo because the runways mm-hmm. are east-west, right? Right. So I was like due north, and I asked them, hey, I'm going to Falcon Field. Can I transition directly over ATL at any altitude you want <laughs> to Falcon Field? And they were like, oh, yeah, because like, if you stay out of their corridors, you're not in their way, right? So when you cross right over, right over Atlanta ATL from north to south, and they're all departing east and west, I mean, they had me at like 3,000, 4,000 feet, and I wasn't in their way at all. Because they were all down oh. on the runway, you know, where I was. Um, so I've I found success with Bravos, kind of with that mentality as well. If you if you're going, and I, I do the same thing in Nashville. I'll, I'll transition the Charlie, you know, perpendicular to the runways, and tell them I'll go straight over the airport. And if if, if once you tell them you're going to go straight over the airport, they're like, oh yeah, that's great. <laughs> you won't be in our <laughs> way at all. I had yeah, the I, same experience with uh, Orlando years ago. I wasn't the pilot, obviously, but. Um, uh, probably 10 or 15 years ago, uh, 
Orlando's runways run north-south, so if you fly over the east-west at 5,000 feet, you're out of their way. They don't care. Totally. Work boss. Yeah, yeah I've yeah. done that. In, actually, in Charlotte, I had the kind of the same thing. I flew yeah. right over the middle of the airport. The only time I didn't was when I didn't have their VOR frequency on me because I was originally going to go further north, and I had a different VOR written down. And uh, he asked if I had the frequency, and I said, if you give me one minute, he says, nope. <laughs> <laughs> fly this heading, get out of here. <laughs> fly due north, go around. But usually, they usually let me through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always find air traffic controls accommodating when they can be, but sometimes if you're in the wrong spot, they just they just can't have you there. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, Mike, thanks for joining us here on the show. Uh, how many, how, how can people find information about uh, about your podcast? So whywefly.org org is the website. Um, it's in all the normal podcast sources, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Spotify, um, and then a podcast app for iPhone as well. You know, it's all the normal podcast places. It's just why we fly and uh, whywefly.org. I'm also on Facebook um, as well as Twitter at whywefly.podcast. Um I'm not the greatest at social media, um, but I'm there. And uh, Mike at whywefly.org is the email. It's much easier to get a hold of me that way. Um, so, yeah, I've been uh, 64 episodes, 64, 65, somewhere right in there. Nice. I was going to say, that's what I think I saw the other day was 64, I think, or 63, yeah. Yeah, cool. so I've been doing the podcast for um, right at three years now and um, having a lot of fun with it. Um, yeah, having uh, interviewing people from everywhere from NASA space shuttle pilots and Blue Angels to, you know, my buddy, the rusty pilot turned Cherokee 6 owner, you know, just talking about all the reasons why we love to fly airplanes. I love it. And you're also a volunteer at Sun and Fun Radio with us, uh, with Mike and I. So we uh, are looking forward to break, having having a good time with you at Sun and Fun just about, uh, about two months now. Yeah, yeah, it's getting close. Man, it's coming close. Wow. Gosh, yeah, it'll be two months. It's what, April 2nd? So, yep. yeah, it'll be I'm February, guessing March, by April. The time so, this so, three comes months. Out, we probably will be beyond Sun and Fun, but, true. uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, that's okay. So, yeah. Well, looking forward to hanging out with you there. And, uh, just, I just want to say thanks so much for joining us here on, on, uh, Logbook Memories. This has been a lot of fun to hear your stories. I love it. Absolutely. Well, thanks for what you guys are doing. I love these kind of stories. It's great. Good stuff. You got plenty more. Uh, you know, you're doing so much fun flying. I'm sure we'll have to 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 call you back in three or four days to be another guest when the Honolulu flights are such a distant memory because you replaced <laughs> them with something else. Yeah, <laughs> because you flew to Tullahoma. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> fly, fly around Middle Tennessee some more. Yep. Sure. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, thanks so much for joining us here, Mike. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for listening to Logbook Memories. If you'd like to share a memory from your logbook, drop us an email to stories at logbookmemories.com. That's stories at logbookmemories.com. And since we are just starting out, it would mean the world to us if you left a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you really want to help us out, maybe write a short review telling the world how awesome we are. Don't forget to share us with your friends. We'll catch you on the next episode of Logbook Memories.